and welcome to the very first episode of Kingdom Chatter. I'm Matt Hatzel here with my good friend Corey Smet. Corey, how are you doing today? Very good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, Corey and I are here to bring the people what they want, and that is all things Kansas City Chiefs. Corey, I got to tell you, we're a week and a half out from watching the Rams hoist the Lombardi Trophy, and it's still leaving a bitter taste in my mouth, just not feeling good about it. For good reason. We might be biased, but uh, it should not have been the Bengals in there. It hurt. It hurt a lot. Watching that game felt totally different, I think, from any Super Bowl I've watched in recent memory. You know, growing up a Chiefs fan, the first 33 years of my life felt like you knew the Chiefs weren't going to be in it. And then the last couple years, it kind of transitioned, and now we expect it. You know, I was thinking about that, too. And, uh, you know, it definitely got a little spoiled in the last few years uh, from barely making the playoffs for God knows how long to being disappointed we didn't even make it to the Super Bowl. is is quite swaying in as short of a span as we give it. So, Absolutely. Uh, I think it just hurt the most. You know, I was at the game, the AFC Championship game against Cincinnati. And I got to tell you, you know, first half, cloud nine. That place was rocking. Jump out to that big 18-point lead. And I think everybody in the building, including Cincinnati fans, thought the Chiefs were going to the Super Bowl. And then just come out second half totally flat. Nothing goes their way. And it kind of felt like the old Chiefs were back. Uh, it was brutal. I I don't know why you ban- they abandoned everything that worked first half. They just gave it all up and that never looked back. I don't understand why they abandoned the run game. Nobody was doing anything. It was a completely different game the second half, which kind of kind of makes sense with uh, the whole B enemy feud, if that uh, was really the case. But uh, it. it Answers a lot of questions if that was. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Do you do you think you put the most blame on Bienemy? Do you put a lot of stock in that article? Um, I mean, when when Bien-Ami, I, I feel like when Andy Reid should have stepped in and, and managed it better. If there was a feud between them, something should have been figured out. That's that's on the coach to handle those kind of relationships, and that's. I mean, to, to completely fall flat, it's hard not to put some blame on Mahomes. But, I mean, uh, there's a lot going on inside of the headset. So you you got to have somebody to, to straighten it all out. And, and I think that's what Reed was supposed to do and didn't get it done. So so you think you put the most blame on Reed? Uh, I do. I mean, just seeing how everything was going perfect first half and then it just all crumbled as soon as they didn't make the – you know, the Tyreek Hill touchdown at the end of the first half is that the whole thing fell apart and couldn't get the the train back on the tracks after that. So I think that's coaching. Somebody should have rewrote the game plan, gone back to some some easy easy ones that uh, should have worked. Run game, dink and dunks that they just weren't. Nothing was happening. Yeah, I think for me, I would put not as much blame on Reed. I think I think there's three people I put the most blame on in that game and that collapse. Reed would be the third most, mostly for the blown timeout 
early in the game where he goes to essentially call a timeout and then challenge a play. I mean, just just foolish. I mean, Andy Reid's been dogged his whole career for his clock management, for his in-game decision-making, and to, in that position, know you're going to challenge a play and call a timeout ahead of time is just insane to me. Uh, I mean, worst-case scenario, you challenge the play, you don't get it overturned, and you lose a timeout. So you're no worse for the wear. So I give him a little, little blame, mostly just for that one gaffe costing them the timeout that would have been essentially the thing they needed there at the end of the first half when Hill got tackled short of the touchdown. They would have had that timeout in the pocket to be able to come out, kick a field goal. And, you know, a lot of people think if they had that field goal, they win that game. So definitely some blame there. I think Bienemy probably at two. You know, I don't know how much stock to put in the article. I will say all mainstream media outlets have taken the article down, which to me makes it more credible. Uh, so I think we're going to find more and more that a lot of stuff written in there was true. And I think it'll start with the fact that I don't anticipate Eric Bieniemy being a coach of the Kansas City Chiefs next year. But, you know, he he was the play caller, and it seemed like historically for his career, he was really good at game planning for the beginning of a game. You know, they had their script that they would go to. And so if you look at that AFC championship game, first three drives were like flawless. And that was going off the script. And as soon as the script was out the window and you had to start making changes and adjusting, just fell on his face and doesn't know how to make those in-game adjustments and I mean we saw it just a few weeks earlier when they played Cincinnati the first time I mean it was like an identical game they come out get a huge lead and then just fall on their face in the second half and so I think he takes a little bit of the blame there but number one for me is Mahomes I just I don't know if I texted you after the game I may have but I was sitting in the parking lot waiting to leave and I texted several friends and I said I really believe this is the first time I can say Patrick Mahomes choked he just choked because, you know, Bienemy's calling the plays. Him and Reed are putting the personnel in. So I can blame them for not leaving Jarek McKinnon in uh, and going with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who I do not like. I can blame them for putting Demarcus Robinson in and calling his number in overtime. But if you go back and watch the tape, Mahomes was off. Those two throws, first and second down in overtime, nobody was catching those balls. It didn't matter who was out there. And so I just, I think he just choked. Yeah, I think the and to me he choked big time. I think, but am I? I say Reed should have recognized it way before overtime and made some adjustments, got him back on track, and something easy, something go to the run game that was just crushing him. I mean, McKinnon was taking five yards every time he touched the ball. Didn't matter what he was doing. So, and they just abandoned it completely for. The razzle-dazzle that drives me nuts that they love to try to do. So, can't make an easy throw, and then they switch up to a whole bunch of complicated stars and mirrors, smoke and mirrors. So, so uh, like I said, be enemy. If, uh, if they got beef, who's uh, what's next year's game plan? What do you see? I think... 
You know, there's some rumblings and reports going that Matt Nagy's already back in the building. Uh, they're not announcing anything official. They haven't designated, you know, what capacity he's back with the team. But to me, that says Eric Bieniemy's gone, and they're already planning for Matt Nagy to come back in as offensive coordinator. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, Matt Nagy did make Alex Smith look like a really good quarterback, so he must be a decent coordinator, right? But if you're going after guys like Allen Robinson, if you uh, if you sign Matt Nagy as your offensive coordinator, Allen Robinson is not coming to the Chiefs. I mean, he has been very vocal in the media about how much he hates Matt Nagy. So yeah. Um, but I I think that's probably the safe bet that Nagy's going to replace Bieniemy. What I would really like to see is the Chiefs pursue Alex Smith in some capacity. You know, they have an opening at quarterback coach, and he's expressed an interest in getting into coaching, and him and Mahomes have an incredible relationship. So I think that that could be a match made in heaven. What about you? What do you think? Uh, I like that too. I mean, I I definitely don't, if there's any, even a hint of truth to the enemy, and ever since he started you know, interviewing for head coaching jobs anyways. He seems to check out, not the same, not quite the same guy. Um, I think that uh, a change-up is needed. Um, Nagy, I'd be just fine with that. Uh, like you said, he made Alex Smith look like the number one overall that he was for a little while. So, and if Alex Smith was in the building too, I think that'd be a, a pretty decent trio to to pound forward with. I'd like it. I think it'd be very cohesive group so they all work together a lot you know when uh, Mahomes started so I'm for it okay well the big news of the day I guess you call it big news not a shocker uh, we were talking about this recently fully expecting this to happen Anthony Hitchens released officially today which frees up about 8.4 million dollars against the cap uh over the cap shows the Chiefs sitting at right around $11 million right now as we speak today. Um, the Chiefs have a tight cap right now. $11 million is not a lot of money to spend. Uh, that's basically signing draft picks. So they've got some big decisions to make. What salary cap moves that the Chiefs can make do you feel most excited about? Hitchens off the board. That one's already happened. I mean, I, I'd love to see Frank Clark uh, beat the bricks. He's uh, he's been underperforming. He's high. He's overpaid. Dude hasn't earned his money at all. I don't think. I mean, he shines in postseason, which is great. It's a great time to shine. But he he doesn't seem to contribute nearly as much as he could, especially for the amount of money that he soaks up. He uh, I, he's not my favorite. I, I, I'm a uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him gone. I know he's a great player, but I think for the money, he's not worth it. I think you could get two guys at a slightly less talent for the same money and be better off than, than just Frank Clark. So I think we beefed up our offensive line last year. It'd be great to see a lot of them stick around. But, I mean, there's a lot of money wrapped up in it too. So I don't I don't know that it, that's going to happen either. So Yeah. The Frank Clark situation, I think, is probably the most complex of all the guys who potentially could be released this year. You know, he's got a $26.3 million cap hit next year. And 
if they release them outright right now, they free up roughly $13 million. Uh, if they waited till after June 1st, that number jumps up to about $19.5 million. But, I mean, at that point, there's no free agents left to sign. So you're in a little bit of a predicament there. And then I guess the other option is to go the Sammy Watkins route and try to get him to restructure. Uh, do you see any value in that, or are you, you just done with Clark? Uh, I mean, restructuring would be good, too, because he, if you could restructure him to a reasonable rate where, I mean, I, I'd be surprised if he took, he just seems like he's a, a very arrogant person who he's done chasing hardware. He's in it for money now. Um, but, you know, restructuring him because of the cap hit we're going to take no matter what. Yeah, we'd be a lot better off to keep him for, you know, a couple million over his 13 million. and then we're not out the 13 million. We can kind of utilize it a little bit. So versus burning 13 million and then signing another $8 million player and burning the rest of our cap. So if they can stretch him out, then yeah, I mean, he's still a starting defensive end, but he's not, I don't know. He's not the elite talent that we thought, or he's not performing at the elite talent that we thought we were going to get out of him a few years ago. when We got him. So for sure. I agree. I think, it's pretty hard pressed to believe that Frank Clark's going to take a, a pay cut to stick around in Kansas city. I think despite the lack of performance on the field and the, you know, off field issues he's had, there's a team out there that's going to pay him some good money. And I think he knows that. And so I highly doubt he's going to restructure. I do think they definitely need to explore that option and see if, see if it could happen. But, you know, after the season was over, he expressed an interest to stay in Kansas City. Was it genuine? Was he just, you know, doing PR stuff? What was he doing? I don't know. But at least explore the option. And if it's not going to work out, I think you cut him now, free up the $13 million and go from there. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to trading him away, too. I mean, even if it's for later draft picks and stuff, seems like we've got some pretty good guys figuring stuff out. But Trading away saves us a big cap hit, too. Could help out a little bit. Yeah, a couple other things we could potentially see the Chiefs do. I'd be shocked if they don't convert Mahomes' roster bonus into signing bonus, which essentially just kind of spreads out his cap hit over the next five years. So not necessarily the best thing to do because it's just kind of pushing that money off to another year. Definitely frees you up money this year to make another good run at it, but they could basically free up another $20 million just by doing that, and they don't even have to get him on board with that. They just sign a little paperwork, and it's done. Yeah, and I think, you know, spreading out the, the his cap hit, I mean, he's he's a big franchise. He's not going anywhere, so he's going to be on the team for 10 more years at least. So spreading them out to where it's the later years where it's it, it where's money's a little thinner anyways so we're smooth it out that way it's not all up front doesn't hit us right now while we're still definitely in contention we could save some of that for a year where we're really in the crapper where we're just kind of rebuilding a little bit so and then one of the last ones I think would be the smartest thing to do. And I, again, I'd be surprised if it doesn't happen. You know, Tyreek Hill coming up on the last year of his contract. I got to think they're going to extend him. I mean, they'd be crazy not to. He's Mahomes' best weapon right now. 
probably the most consistent receiver this year. I'd say even more so than Kelsey this past season. So go ahead and extend him. Add some signing bonus money on there, which could free up, you know, maybe another $13 million this year. So, you know, you do a few of these things, and that money starts adding up real quick. You know, just like that, you've got $50 million to throw around. Exactly. I mean, Hill's worth it. He's He's been playing at an elite level. He's proven it's not just a, a flash in the pan and that he's not just a, he's not just a one-trick pony. I mean, he's out there hustling, earning, playing through injuries. I mean, this year, fortunately, he wasn't injured at all, but, you know, historically he's, he's dealt with some minor issues. So, but I don't know. He's, he's durable. He's, he's elite. He's fast. He's, he's not showing any signs of slowing down. So I think if they don't try to extend him there, that, that would be beyond me how you can just let him walk. So I agree. Extend him. Pay the man. Pay the man. Okay, so... 27 free agents right now on the roster. 24 of those, I believe, are unrestricted free agents. Which means the only thing stopping them from leaving is the franchise tag. If you had to pick two guys that you want back next year and two guys that just absolutely have to go, who you got? Number one, Melvin Ingram. Picked him up midway through the season, and he was the biggest biggest change. I think more than just a, a physical guy, he, he changed the locker room around somehow. He, uh, he showed a lot of leadership and, and changed the whole defense in himself, I think. I mean... Kind of a coincidence. Brought Melvin Ingram the same time they started changing up the linebackers to to Willie Gabe and Bolton, but it seemed like as soon as he hit the hit the turf, everything was different. I mean, the line was playing amazing. Everybody was playing amazing. So I think Melvin Ingram got to find a way to keep him around. Uh, that's me. Another one, Jarek McKinnon. That dude came on so cheap and. I, in my opinion, perform better than any of our other running backs. And I'm I'm with you. I'm not a huge Clyde fan. I think he's he's small and he he just doesn't have that same vision. It seemed like it like I said, it seemed like every time McKinnon touched the ball, he got five yards. He I think he averaged four point eight per carry this year. He was unstoppable. He played physical, he played rough. I mean, I know he's not the youngest guy anymore, but you pair him with Daryl Williams, and then you got just this. Uh, Jarek McKinnon was just bowling through everybody, even in his past his prime. So I think he, uh, I think he earned it. I think he, he, he just should. It looked awesome to me. So that's my other keep. What do you got for have tos? Have to keep them. It's tough. I mean, I think the obvious have to, you know, just right out the gate is Orlando Brown. You spend a first-round draft pick to bring him in, essentially just for one year. Can't let him walk. Like, he's got to stick around. I know a lot of people dogged him this year, didn't feel like he was quite the guy they thought he was going to be. He played good. I mean, was he the best left tackle in the league? No. But did he play good enough to earn a big contract? I think absolutely. 
I think so much of his play too was Mahomes just never being comfortable in a pocket. He he's flushed out for the last three years, so it took him a long time to get comfortable in a in a pocket that finally existed for him too. And that's interesting. Did you see there was a stat that's been created about quarterbacks creating pressure, you know, creating the pocket collapsing by by themselves? And Mahomes led the league this year in creating his own pressures on 24% of his pressures, it was self-induced. And I think that goes to what you're talking about there. He just got so accustomed to having to run around that he didn't know what to do this year when the pocket was really there. Yeah. If if he could stand in and be a pocket passer, he could do that too. I mean, they're... we talk all day about how phenomenal a talent he is, so. So, yeah, I think Orlando Brown, absolutely. And I think Brett Veach was pretty clear about that. He, he said priority one is Orlando Brown Jr. I don't know that they'll get a deal worked out. It's very likely that he receives the franchise tag and they go into this year with him on the tag and try to work out the details after that. But you got to do what you got to do to keep him around. I mean, they were willing last offseason to go after Trent Williams and offer him an insane contract. Luckily, I think we dodged a bullet there. 49ers paid him more because we'd have been locked in for a monster contract there, and that would have put us in a really tight spot. So I love Orlando. I think he's got to be back, just has to be back. My second one, it's tough, man. I've gone back and forth on – Tyron Matthew, I just, I think he's a decent player. I think he's probably a little better than most of the critics say. Uh, I know he's a big leader in the locker room and everything, but I I just don't think his play has been phenomenal like they talk him up to be. And so I'd love to see him back, but at the right price. And I think he's probably my second got to keep just for the fact that if he's gone, we're in trouble at safety because we're in trouble at safety with him there. I mean, we have no depth on the backside of the field. So if he, if he walks and goes somewhere else, that really puts the pressure on us to go out and find somebody in free agency or draft a safety. And if you do that, you're banking on a guy coming in day one and being able to perform at a high level, which is tough. So hopefully Matthew is true to his word and wants to stay in Kansas City and is willing to take a little less money because I think, honestly, that's probably what it's going to take. He's going to have to take less money. I just don't think they can give him the big contract that he wants. Well, I mean, he's been putting out some pretty cryptic messages about him, uh, you know, enjoying his time here and enjoyed all that. It's like, yeah, you got to hope he he sticks around, wants to uh, at least talk reasonable he's not I, I i agree with you he's not he's not number one anymore i think a lot of it is he he's not around the ball because i think they do try to avoid him a little bit he's he still wreaks havoc and back there but uh i'm with you he needs to take a little bit of a pay cut he's not he's just not built for a i mean he's just not at the point of his career to have another long huge contract he's got to thin up play ball a little bit so and I guess if it's not him, it's got to be Traverius Ward, 
Mike Hughes, one of those guys. Like we got to we got to retain somebody as far as the defensive backs go. I mean, we'll have Rashad Fenton, who I'm really high on. I think Rashad Fenton is a stud that they kind of slept on for too long. He should have been starting a lot sooner than he was. And Legarius Sneed obviously was a steal of a pick, but if we don't re-sign some of these guys, you're going to be seeing Sneed playing out of position playing away from his strong suit, which is going to see his play probably decline. So they got to do something. I just think they got to keep one of those guys, whether it's Ward, Hughes, or Matthew. And honestly, I think our secondary kind of got a bad rap this year, and I really blame it on the line. I mean, when you're 29th in the league in sacks, you're <laughs> – it doesn't matter who you got back there. If the quarterback's got eight or nine seconds to throw the ball, I mean, Deion Sanders can be back there. He's he's not holding a receiver that long. And so I think I think our defensive backs are better than the numbers showed this year. If our front front line got better pressure, I think you would have saw them play quite a bit better. Hundred percent. I can tell you who is not on the keep list for sure. Dirty disgusting Dan Sorensen. That dude, I've been pleading with anybody who will listen. He needs to go. He needed to go a long time ago. The only time Dan ever did anything good is after he did something very, very bad. So his his game-sealing interceptions were only ever there because he got burned twice before for 60-yard touchdowns. So... Yeah, I don't know that there's a single player you and I have, you know, trash-talked via text more than Daniel Sorensen. Uh, there's there's never been any love for him uh, from either one of us. No. Who else would you uh, like to see walk? Uh, I would like to see Demarcus Robinson gone. I think he's... He drives me crazy. Every time he catches a ball, he runs backwards five yards. I think it's just because he keeps watching Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill can get away with it, and Demarcus Robinson can't. And he just won't get off of that either. I mean, he and Mahomes have some chemistry together, but I think that of Hill, Hardman, Pringle, Kelsey, I think he's got the least, you know, repertoire with Robinson. I think it's it's time to go. I'd rather take a late draft pick, somebody cheap, and than to see that spot filled up with him. So for me another guy that's gotta go is Ben Neiman. Just horrendous linebacker, let's be honest. I mean just totally overmatched out there. I'm sure he was great, you know in high school and decent in college, but at the NFL level, he is just in way over his head, and he's got to go. I mean, we're going to be thin at linebacker, but like you said, I'll take someone late in the draft over him. Just give me somebody athletic. That's all I need from depth at linebacker. But I think there's two guys, free agent-wise, one for each of us that we haven't talked about that I think we have to. And for you, it's the Pringle man. 
I'm imagining you want to see Byron Pringle back in a Chiefs uniform next year. Uh, I would. I'd love a hometown discount on him. I don't. I think he puts out a lot, a lot of effort. It shows. I mean, he dudes out there. He's he's fighting for every yard he can after after he gets his hands on the ball. But I, he's never going to be the elite talent. But as a a very suitable wide receiver three or four, I think he's definitely serviceable. But He's got to be willing to to stick around for the the money that that does not include. I think. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because he'll definitely be able to get more money somewhere else. I mean, there are definitely going to be teams that are going to take a chance on him. And you know, I think the knock on his inconsistency, I think, goes back to the reality that he just never was plugged in as the number two guy. You know, that was like a rotation of guys. And so how are you supposed to be consistent if you're not on the field consistently? And so I, I don't think that was his fault at all. I think if if it's not the Chiefs and it's someone else and he's given a chance to play every down, I think he's going to prove to be a really good wide receiver in this league. But for me, it's my boy, Jody Fortson who I have loved since the moment he came to Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, He's a wide receiver starting out. Watching him in the preseason, he was phenomenal. I did not know how he didn't make the team his first two years. And then watching him convert to tight end last year, which they called him a tight end, but let's be honest, he was just a big wide receiver. He put on a little weight, but he wasn't a tight end. He's not out there throwing good blocks. But, man, he, he, I think, was the – he was the Eric Fisher injury this year that we didn't realize. You know, when we lost in the Super Bowl to Tampa Bay, I think Eric Fisher was the biggest reason why that happened. If he played in that game, I think the Chiefs maybe win that game against Tampa Bay. Jody Fortson went out early in the year with the Achilles injury, so it kind of goes forgotten. But he was really our possession receiver. Like, he was the guy that was going to go up and get the ball, and I think he was really coming into his own before the injury. And if he had had a full, healthy year, I think he would have been a real threat late in the year. And so I'm looking forward to him coming back. I know the Achilles injury is not an easy one to come back from, but he will have had plenty of time to rehab that. And he is a restricted free agent, so no reason to not bring him back, get another year to really see if he can develop into the guy that I believe he's going to be. I hope he's that guy because he is super cheap right now. And I don't think Josh Gordon is going to be that guy. So we need someone to be that guy. Yeah, that's the thing we lack the most in our receiving core is just large. We have no sizable guys. I mean, and Travis Kelsey, he's still still performing, but I, I don't know how much time he's got left. I mean, is he 32 this year? He's not. He's not the young young guy anymore i mean he's that that, to me that's what we need to be focusing on next is figuring out how to replace that guy because he's he's got a couple more good years in him maybe a couple of decent ones but he's on the downhill i think fortson i I mean he's not as big but as he's bigger receiver he's not a big tight end though but take a, a good receiver over an awesome blocker in a lot of situations. 
What if we brought back like the old three tight end sets that we were doing with Alex Smith? Just put three, the biggest freaking guys you can get out there and just see what happens. Why not? Yeah, we just don't have those guys, right? I mean, who you right. throw it out there? Blake Bell, the pride of Wichita, and Noah Gray. Noah Gray was a bit of a disappointment this year. I expected yeah. him to do a lot more. He was supposed to be amazing, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just learning the offense. They say Andy Reid's offense is so complicated, it takes you a year to get acclimated, so... We'll see next year. I'm going to judge him a little more harsh next year. Yeah. Give give him a pass year one, but from here on, I'm judging him harsh. What about Spagnola? When are you ready to see Spagnola go? When? I was pretty much ready for Spagnola to be gone after year one. I just think, I don't know, there's something about Spagnola's defense and the complexity of it that it's just too difficult for guys to learn. I mean, it's consistently year in and year out. It takes half the season for these guys to learn the defense. And we've got so much freaking, in my opinion, wasted talent on a Spagnola defense. I mean, Chris, like you said, 29th in the league for sacks. That's terrible when you have Frank with as much money as we have in that defensive line. Insane. Frank Clark. Chris Jones, Melvin Ingram, and we were 29th in the league. That's insane to me. It'll be interesting to see what Veach does. You know, you made the comment about beefing up the uh, offensive line last year and hoping they'd do that to the D-line this year. Veach has made those comments, you know, that games are won in the trenches, and so he wants to beef up that D-line. And if they can free up enough money and go out and get a couple guys and you turn that line around – Maybe Spagnola's not that bad. I don't know. You know, if he gets the guys in there that he wants, maybe it works. But you have to be able to get pressure with your front four in Steve Spagnola's defense. And if you're not, you're you're just not going to succeed. And the Chiefs have proven that year in and year out since he's been defensive coordinator. I think midway through the year, this past season, I I was ready for him to be gone. And I think most of Chiefs Kingdom was as well. As the year went on, you know, I kind of relaxed on that a little bit. You know, defense turned around a little bit, you know, after Ingram came in, like you said, and Willie Gay and Bolton started playing a lot more. Things started going well. Thornhill coming in for Sorensen, you know, the obvious decisions that should have been made week one. But I don't know. I'm I'm willing to give him another year, I guess. He's not Bob Sutton. He's not that bad. That bad? No. That's but yeah, I'm ready to see him go. He's I mean, his I read a funny stat too that the two worst defenses was the Chiefs this year and then when he was the defensive coordinator down in uh Saints. So it's not great. Not a good uh not a good look, but I don't know. I don't think that's on the table yet. There hasn't been any rumbling about that. So, no, I think Andy Reid is loyal to his coaches to a fault. And he's going to keep them around as long as he wants to be there. So I think we're stuck with him. Yeah. I would like to see us spend our money on defense, though. I'll tell you that. I think if you look at some of the dynasties, quote-unquote, throughout the years, it seemed like where they had the strongest player, you know, you take the Patriots with Brady, 
it seemed like on offense, they just kind of pieced it together for him because they knew he was good enough to get it done. And then on defense, that's where they went out and spent their money. And I think the Chiefs could learn something there and say, all right, you know, we're going to give him a couple weapons. We're going to give him a great offensive line, and he can do the rest. And then the money we got, we're going to invest in the defense so that we don't have to score 40 points a game. I'd love it. So, Brett Veach, if if you're listening, Brett Veach, we would love for you to spend your money on defense this offseason. Not if, when you're listening, Brett. (laughs) Well, last thing, uh, just a few dates upcoming. NFL Scouting Combine will be March 1st through the 7th. The bubble is officially gone. I don't know if you saw that today. The uh, players and agents were complaining, threatening to boycott, and NFL caved pretty quickly on that one. So (laughs) bubble's gone. I'm really curious to see some of these guys coming in. Start watching the mock drafts, seeing the guys the Chiefs are bringing in for interviews and workouts, and try to get a better idea who they're going for. I also wouldn't be surprised to see Brett Veach try to trade up in the draft this year. He's been known to do that. We picked up a couple of early picks, didn't we? With uh... We got uh, first, second, and two-thirds, so that's pretty decent. For us, that's awesome. Hopefully, hopefully he can uh, turn what we have into something better. You know, I'd like to see him move up and draft a good edge rusher or something. Because I think if we sit at thirty, we're not going to get anybody worthwhile. If we sit at thirty, I imagine they're going to go for a wide receiver or something, which will disappoint me. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. We piece anything together and make it work as long as our line holds up and. At least that's what we pay Mahomes to do. He's yeah, that's what he should be able to do. So, most exciting time. It's all good news until freaking season starts. So, yep, March fourteenth when the ball will start really rolling. The league year will start. Free agents will be able to talk to teams, and we'll just start seeing the dominoes fall. Start seeing these commas moving on some of these. Salaries. Blake Bell, pride of Wichita, the <laughs> bell dozer. I didn't realize he was 30 already. Yeah, he's old. I mean, he's not like us old, but he's old. Practically. <laughs> Man. Well, I think that's all we got for this first episode of Kingdom Chatter. We appreciate you guys listening in. We're going to touch base. Just kind of as the league year gets rolling, we'll keep up on the uh, free agent happenings and the draft as it approaches and go from there. 